601-601. Season 61, not the 601st episode, because that would be way too many episodes. Hey everyone, this is Like Trees Walking. Michael J. Nelson here, along with Pastor Dave Berge. This is the podcast. Mazel tov. Mazel tov to you. This is the podcast where we talk about the big issues of oh, life. Huge issues. Gigantic, outsized issues. Yes. Elephantine issues. <laughs> let's, keep, let's keep going with our thesaurus. Uh, uh, do you Garga- know, gargantuan. Gargantuan, le- Leviathan. Do you know people that do the, they can't, they're trying to tell you how big something, I mean, this is big, like big, big, huge, gigantic. Like, okay, <laughs> could have stopped earlier, but... I like that, laying it on. I li- I, I'm a fan of laying it on. Uh, yeah, so we talk about the big is- issues of life from a Christian perspective, but sort of with a broader, hopefully a broader range of listeners and, and ideas out there. Yeah, people, we, we want people eavesdropping in on these conversations. And, yeah. and you know, as they're, as we're talking, they're, they're thinking, you know, I can I picture the person listening to the podcast, and they're kind of, as we're speaking, they're looking up in the sky. That's what I do when I'm kind of thinking about stuff sometimes. Look off into the middle distance if you'd like, yep. or look at the sky, your choice. Yeah, either one. And just you're going, okay, you know, you kind of squint too. If I'm really processing, I'll, I'll start to squint when I'm when I'm thinking about something. I'm a squinter. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes that can look angry. Yeah. But it's more thinking. It's thinking. It's not yeah. an angry. Squinch, don't squint. Squinch is like halfway between squinting. Yeah. That's where you're really, hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever stroke the chin? Or do you mm. put the chin on the fist and then... I don't do a lot with Rodin's my... Rodin's the thinker kind of... <laughs> I don't do a lot with my chin. Okay. Yeah. I do uh, more... I'm more like a like a, like a, like a head grab or a head... Like a scratch. Then oh, a, you actually scratch your head when you're thinking? Yep. Yeah, I'll go like... Yeah. There's something about that kinetic motion that hmm. like I find helpful. Yeah. I might... Uh, I probably pace and make coffee when mm. I'm thinking. I like so. to pace too. I like yeah. to pace when I'm talking. Yeah. Okay, uh, so yeah, yeah that's, what that's what we're talking about today. Yes, no. <laughs> thinking. Uh, but we, we did mention at the beginning that this is episode 601 yep. because we decided early on and very confusingly to, I think it was to be funny, it was a little bit of a joke that we're like a TV show and so we hope we get renewed for a new season. Mm-hmm. So we numbered our shows like seasons because I just, I come from that world and I just like the clarity of that, like season one. But what does a season mean for a podcast? Well, that's the reason we have episode numbers that are very different from other shows and yeah. are confusing. They're like television shows. So 101 is first season. We had a pilot. First show. Well, I mean, yes. we started with a pilot. Yeah, right? we had an actual pilot. So we're in season six of this so that there's not 600 other shows. No, and Sorry. it doesn't follow. Sorry for the confusion. It does not follow a calendar. It It's just no. when we get to 24 episodes, we... We run the odometer over. We can't, that's what the network wanted. They wanted an order of 24, um, and sometimes we'll get a small season of 12. If there's oh, some kind of writer strike, right. you know, we'll, we'll shorten it up. Uh, I'm Pastor David Berge uh, with Michael J. Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughtful layman, your everyman, your man about town. That's yes. who you are. Yes. A gadfly, a man about town. Now, you brought in a, uh, you brought in a subject for us today. Which is uh, red hot, red hot off the presses. It is. It's culturally very relevant. It is a moment, although it might be on the the downside of the wave. It probably is, but the wave's been ridden, and I think I don't want it to pass without without us talking. Without comment. All right. So, what is it? Oh, and by the way, Pastor Dave will be eating a disgusting new food today. For you fans of that, well, I I don't want to editorialize a new food. Mike, I'm going to introduce you to a person, to a woman. Okay. And I want you to. When I introduce you to her, yes, I'm 
I'm not going to fill in the details at first. I, I will later. Okay. I want you to tell me about this woman. Okay. Just your impressions of this woman when okay. I introduce her. Happy to do it. Okay. Mike, I'd like you to meet my friend Karen. A Karen? A Karen. I would like you to meet her. Okay. Can you, can you, what can you tell me about a Karen? Sure. I'm happy to give. Uh, she is uh, middle-aged. Okay. I mean, middle-aged being, uh, let's give it a, a wider range than that. Let's say 45 to... I, didn't, I might even go younger. Could but be I younger. asked you. I'm sorry. I asked yeah, you to describe okay. her. I'm very sorry. Okay. I should not have done that. 45. That's, that's fine. To, uh, we'll say, late 60s. Okay. Uh, she is, of course, a white person. Yeah. Uh, well to do, but not, uh, that, that range is also fairly wide, mm. but, uh, certainly probably drives an SUV or some sort of, uh, uh, a vehicle with, uh, with a hatchback that can carry lots of, uh, groceries from, uh, Whole Foods or Costco or what have you. Okay. Uh, probably lives in the suburbs, uh, although I'm flexible on that, <laughs> uh, and is, uh, can be a bit strident. And wants what she wants when she wants it and is not shy about telling people mm -hmm. and is also not shy about entering into other situations and telling other people how to behave. Mm -hmm. How did I do? I think you did really well. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, here's when, I, when I'm thinking about meeting this person named Karen, yes. uh, uh, a Karen. Um, yeah. Middle-aged white lady for sure. I would even stretch that like, you know, since I was told... I was described as a middle-aged white man on, by a commenter. <laughs> that was only because you were lying down with the dogs. You were with me. That's <laughs> so why you're a middle-aged. I was like 30, I was in my mid-30s. So I'm going to say mid-30s to late 60s. I think it, it covers, okay. I think the range is broader. Okay. Uh, the broader, the better. Um, uh, a, a sort of picture in your mind. I think like um, there is a certain like unattractiveness associated with this. So not ugly. But just like unattractive, like uh, if I think of a proto Karen, uh, for those who watch the show, John and Kate plus eight, um, like that Kate, uh, Kate is a kind of a proto Karen or, or stands in as a type in terms of this look. Like I'm going to pull it up when yeah. you, you keep describing it. I'm gonna so yeah, like picture. a middle-aged white lady, like, you know, kind of unfashionable. She had then like kind of the blow, like the blowback. It wasn't a blowout, but like the hair that looked like she had been a very short hair, but you had been in a wind tunnel. Kind of like a, uh, yeah, um, middle class, you know, uh, broadly middle class. And uh, the type of person who is, uh, what's a phrase that would be associated with a, with a Karen would be, I want to speak to the manager. So kind of sure. an assertive, um, busybody, um, entitled, uh, won't mind her own business uh, type of, uh, type of person. Yes. Um, and sort of, yeah, seen as, yeah, I think it, seen of course, very negatively as a, like, basically it's a middle-aged white lady who won't mind her own business and will bug you and like feels entitled to a sort of special treatment. Yes. Can, can scold at her, at her will. And in fact, will. And Karen, you can use, you can cast this term about, right. And something I've been thinking about since it rose, uh, uh, it rose. I feel like it's been around for a couple of years. Definitely, I feel like you know to what you said. It's kind of on the way down. I, I do think its moment 
is is passing it's mm-hmm. being eclipsed but there was um and actually it, we were planned on talking about this before i knew i before i realized this that there's actually another podcast recently where they talk about the case of this woman the that just came out called the central park karen that was the woman who got into it with the burger and kind of it was a uh, a uh, I'll use this euphemism, a racially charged encounter that actually happened the same day as the George Floyd thing. And so like the two were sort of, Oh goodness. At this, oh yeah. I mean, I this don't was, know about this one. Oh yeah. Yeah. She was, she got in a conflict with a burger in central park and said, I'm calling the police. You know, it's an African American man who's doing it. And like there, there, you know, I think there's some more to the story than it was kind of presented as, uh, that, that these other podcasts will, talk about but we're not getting into that at all but just saying yeah. like people immediately when they said central park karen there was like that it, it had a broad enough like currency in the culture that you could say something like that and people would understand yep it's a white lady she's middle-aged she's kind of a busybody, like entitled up in people's business like um, yes. in a neg- you know in a, in a very negative way and so i thought all right and as i thought about this phrase karen i thought well all right i've known some karens in my life Re- actual real karens yeah and they're all Lovely women. Yes. I mean, really, my, my one of my mother's best friends. She has just the most gentle soul uh, that there is out there. When I worked in uh, in in Ohio, a couple of just really um, wonderful women of varying ages, wide range of ages, who yes. are who were Karens, great women named Karen. And I feel, and I was just like, I felt bad because their name had become a slur. Yeah. And so I felt uncomfortable. Like I just immediately felt uncomfortable with the name itself becoming a slur. Because I'm like, that's not fair to these Karens. These Karens are awesome. And so now they're just kind of feeling the blowback from that. Yeah. And it made me stop and think, is this type of like, what is going on behind this stereotyping? Because, yes, it's a type that pe- people feel like they know, sort of like the bossy, assertive, you know, blah, blah, blah. But is this just is this just like a cover for a certain kind of misogyny that's happening in the culture? Mike? Uh the answer, I'm afraid, is yes, yes. I feel your same discomfort with this um, because what it immediately says, of course, is that if you do encounter a person like this, you are you can dismiss them with the term, you can dismiss their humanity, mm-hmm. and you can reduce them to a caricature of who they are, which I, I don't think is right for any particular. <laughs> this should not be done at all. Uh, and certainly as a, a Christian, we would believe that... Uh, you know, everyone is a made a child made in God's image, and uh, what, what a terrible thing to reduce them to a horrible, shrieking cliche. Yeah, um, that also has a racial component to it. Yeah, which I'm uncomfortable with as well. Oh, and it was uh, like kind of because remember the Central Park Karen thing, and then I remember another thing popping up, and it was actually like these these kind of viral videos there was like a uh, another one that came out shortly after and i think was kind of capturing that the fact that the central park karen had come out at the same time as george floyd and the kind of environment that was in and then there was another guy like in seattle who posted this video that went viral was like this karen you know called basically saying this karen called this called me the n-word and like it's was this person who made this claim is a complete like fabulist and it you know it was totally unfounded and he was videoing this woman and he's saying like, you know, using that phrase, Karen. So uh, immediately kind of trying to draw that stereotype in our mind so we could dehumanize this person and sympathize with him. And it was part of a kind of a grift, actually, that he was running. Mm. He would start filming these people, always claiming they had done these racist things immediately before filming. And this woman is like trying to cover her license plate. It's it's actually like 
it's such a disturbing video to see this woman who is like, this man is filming me, accusing me of something I didn't do. Um, as she claims she's married to like, she had a black husband or whatever in this video even, you know, so like, but you can just see this woman is terrified of basically going viral yes. for something that she didn't do. She's panicking. But that's part of the Karen thing, too, is they panic and they will weaponize their uh, here's like maybe the term of the day. They will weaponize their whiteness and their white woman tears against, you know, uh, against a black person sort of hearkening back people who take this the part of this hearkening back to the worst of like, I mean the Emmett Till era or something like that, you know, a very dark era, uh, in American, uh, you know, in American history, kind of shades of that even creep into the discourse to sort of say why it's okay to engage in this type of stereotyping around these women. But I just remember seeing that. And, and it, I was just, it made me even more uncomfortable with that phrase to just go like, here we are kind of deploying this in a way that to just say it, or just to make the claim is to kind of, to accuse the person is to make them guilty of it. And to right. just put them in a little box, and this encounter, then we're it's framing the encounter always in such a way that this person, this woman, is the villain, no matter what's happening. Right. And so, what is the uh, put on your your pastor uh, shirt and coat and hat? Do you have a pastor hat? I, do, I don't have a pastor hat actually. Pastors uh, should get hats. We should. You know how uh, like everyone like I was reading the other day about uh, MacArthur. When he when he returned, you know, to just, the Philippines. Well, when he came, actually, for the uh, discussion of uh, like whether or not to do unconditional surrender and everything. I won't get too deep in the okay. weeds here, but he uh, he showed up late, and then he had his chauffeur drive him up with his whole costume on, you know, and it was Hawaii and it was you know, ninety five degrees, and he had like a leather jacket on. And they're like, "Why are you wearing that?" He's like, "I just came from <laughs> Australia, where it's winter," and it was utterly a lie. He just had a costume on. With his hat and his pipe. Corn cob pipe. Anyway, yeah. I just picture you coming in <laughs> with a costume on as your official pastor outfit. You know, Catholics, they have the, you know, the mitre, yeah, the exactly. hat, right? And, yeah. and Eastern Orthodox, I feel like the priests have kind of a hat with almost like a mullet thing flowing down exactly. the back, you know? Got, that's good theater. We anyway. have no Protestants. We are severely lacking in headgear. I know that the Anglicans, you know, they throw some around. Sure. They're kind of in their Catholic cosplay and even maybe some Lutherans. Yeah, but, the Lutherans got the good. But anyway, yeah. look, <laughs> put on your pastor garb and uh, give us the take on what how should a christian think about this term and its use and etc well one of our challenges and you brought this up you know the the to see other people as divine image bearers so as to not engage in kind of the stereotype fallacy right where we just put people i mean it's inevitable as human beings that we lump things into groups you know because that's how we go through the world sure and, and so i understand that but it's to not like st stereotyping is dangerous when it keeps us from like truly seeing the individual in front of us as a, as a unique person. And so that's always very dangerous um, to do that. And it can, it could stop us from seeing the truth about a person, the truth about a given situation, and it denies their humanity. And so I think just as a Christian, as we're thinking about stereotypes, we know that they're very dangerous um, because of that tendency to, deny the humanity of the other person and to seek the truth about a given situation, which is a value um, that we have is, is being truth seeking people and, you know, individual dignity affirming people as well. And so to just deploy these terms, um, I, I think we're running afoul of, 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 uh, of, 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 of those Christian principles that, that we hold extremely dear. And I mean, in using the name Karen, we're also like, I think, sullying, right? So this, if I think about the Ten Commandments, this is bearing false witness 
kindness against our neighbor mm-hmm. would be one of the implications of it. You know, we want to say true things about them. And so it's like, um, and like, I mean, our Lord also, um, you know, through his ministry always showed special care for people like, you know, people who were devalued in his society. So in a patriarchal society, you know, the kind of role and place of women was certainly as a second class citizen, you know, certainly a, a diminished role in society. And we see that Jesus, um, I mean, especially, you know, read through the gospel of Luke or something like that. Uh, Jesus is always having these encounters with women um, where he's speaking directly to them. And, you know, like uh, he is affirming um, their humanity and their worth um, throughout the course of his ministry. And wherever Christianity has spread, it has uplifted the status of women in that society. You know, it, it's, it didn't go from, you know, an ancient, you know, society to a modern 21st century, you know, Western liberal world right away. But that's always accompanied Christianity as an uplift of, of, of women. And so I feel like this is misogynistic and it is denigrating towards women. Um, and, uh, and, and so that's really, and it's dehumanizing. And so uh, I'm not with it. Well, let me, uh, I'll, I'll put in a plug for your, your sermons, and your last one was on Proverbs, talking about how to use one's word yes. in speech, and uh, what was, you had an acronym that you borrowed from someone? Think, from Think. Nikki Gumbel, yeah, Nikki Gumbel. Nikki Gumbel, Nikki yes, Gumbel the of, great Nikki Gumbel. Of Holy Trinity, Brompton, the Alpha, the Alpha Course, so Nikki is, yeah, I, 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 I like Nikki Gumbel. I feel like that that, that would, uh, would sort of tie into this, when, as you're thinking about using a term... I think a lot of people give themselves a pass because there's a bit of humor to it, obviously. Right. Um, she's such a Karen, and it's, you know, and you probably think the most benign use of it is it's not going to really hurt anybody's feelings. But uh, I think it has been, I think in most uses, I think for sure, it is not uplifting. It is not being kind. I think it is reductive. And yes. And it, so. it became something that was maybe a light term. Of like Josh yeah. of joshing around to like a really, I think it became a much more charged yes. stereotype and and powerful and much more I think ne- much more negative than something that was maybe initially started as like a you know something that wasn't so bad when it started. I'm right. quoting there, but yeah. So the think acronym is this. You know, before you speak, Nikki Gumbel says, "Think," which is uh, you know, is this what I'm about to say? Is this true? Mm-hmm. Is this helpful? Is this inspiring? Is this necessary? Is this kind? Ah, I don't think that Karen passes. I don't think it passes the thing. I don't think it passes. You know, it's Karen, and it is. It's a way to dismiss someone, and and that type of stereotypical language, that type of cliche, that stock character, that trope. Um, we are always running the risk with that, and we see throughout our history how that kind of type of figure. Um, well, it can ring true in some sense. You know, it also rings very false in others and is just highly reductive. I mean, think of our long history. Do we have a great history of like stereotypes? You know, I'm tra- there's it's it's it always seems to go in the same direction, even if it started with some sort of benign, you know, version of it, like someone trying to encapsulate something. It never works out well. And I, I don't even want to. No, we look back, I we cringe. I mean, I'll say yeah. some of them. Like the, if we look at the, the, the racial history of the country, it's like there's like the mammy. Right. Oh yes. You know we yeah, so yeah. we have this. Maybe you just watch Gone with the Wind, right? That's a stock character who yes. we know. It's like was that like a really great portrayal of you know a black domestic laborers in the ant- in antebellum America? I don't think so. Right. I don't right. think we look back on that, even though it was a beloved type of a figure. You know. Yes. We don't look back on that and go like, oh, that's wow. We were spot on. We should do that more often. <laughs> you know what? We need more of that. 
Uh, even, you know, Obama himself got in a little hot water. He was talking about voting, and he said, you know, call your – I remember he said this a few times. Call your cousin Pookie, who is like this – in the black community, this sort of stock character, like kind of your like down-class, socially irresponsible cousin who's not going to bother to get out and vote unless you kind of tell pay Pookie, you know, kind of, you know, come along and, and vote. And people were like – they gave Obama a pass, but they're like, uh, you know, uh, should we really be saying Pookie? Or if we think about kind of a Appalachia people like, you know, Cletus, the slack John Yokel, that's the, yeah. you know, that's yeah. kind of hill people, Appalachian, white trash people. They're sort of these, you know, rotted teeth, Mountain Dew, guzzling, meth smoking, you know, morons. It's like, and that is denying the humanity of people um, in like, are people in Appalachia like of less value? Are yeah. are People who are downscale whites, like worthy of our derision and opprobrium. I know. Yes, I don't I, think so. I think even uh, the term redneck, probably when it started, didn't even have like. Well, he's just a he works out in the field under the sun. Nothing wrong with that, right? Listen, I called him a redneck, and Jeff, he is one. Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah, there you go. He didn't make the top twenty list of comedians. No, you might be a redneck if if. Yeah, that's right. But I don't think that that is always used very kindly, or I don't think that that passes the think test. Right. We we when we're just dismissing kind of whole categories or classes of people based upon stereotypes, like then we're really getting into dehumanizing ground, which is something that we we don't want to be doing. And that's not to defend the behavior of every time a person, every time a middle aged white woman asks to speak to the manager, that's not saying she's doing the right thing, nor is it to say she's necessarily doing the wrong thing, or that there aren't people who we find annoying, obnoxious. Um, you know, who would fit that categorization. It's just saying we shouldn't just class every single person together. Because once you've made someone a Karen, it's like there's no escaping from that box for them. And that can feel very, like, that's just disempowering well, yeah. when you do it. If you've ever been kind of put in a box, you know how, like, you're like, oh, okay, now people are making all of these assumptions about me. Yes, certainly. We've and I hate been, that. Yeah. I will say, I must have, I probably grew up with many, many Karens because back in, in when I was a kid, there was a stark difference is like parents would parent other kids as well. That was just sort of how it, my dad knew that when he sent me out into the world that other adults would be watching out for me. And in fact, it was just a part of my youth. I don't think I see this nearly as much anymore of a parent yelling at another kid <laughs> who's not their own or getting them back in line. You know, I used to have coaches and my dad was in the fire department. So there'd be these like guys with big mustaches who would go, hey. Nelson, I know your dad. Knock it off, you know. But also, there was a, lots of moms who would go like, "You kids, get out of there!" There was Karens everywhere, yeah. and that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. They were keeping an eye on, uh, you know, they were they were watching out for other people. No, I don't think that as a parent of young children, I'll say I think what we see now is basically parents. We're not parenting other kids. Uh, 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 I'm using the royal we. Uh, I I try to put myself out outside. So I try to. I think that older model is a is a better one in in many ways, um, but to like say that now parents it's basically like we're just sitting back and judging each mm -hmm. other. like we're not like trying to help parent other kids we're trying to sit back and like judge the behavior of other kids and view that as a reflection upon their parents yeah and kind of like go like well he did that like that means you're a bad parent so we're basically like we're using kids as a proxy to uh, judge each other in nice. the, in the status competition that are. Wow, children. So it's a it's a worse world in that way. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm putting. Well, so anyway, that's my week. I'm putting in a plug for Karen's, where I actually think there's a there's a very good model. Mike is pro Karen, and you know what? Sometimes you got to speak to the manager. <laughs> that is true. Bridget, I was talking to Bridget about this. Mike's wife, Bridget, uh, and she said, you know, because uh, you don't want to be like giving. Because when you're speaking to the the clerk or the frontline worker, like they don't have any power, they can't do anything, they don't have any say so. So if there's a problem uh, that that person can't fix, why waste your time? With uh, you know, with someone who really has no say so, talk to the manager. You know, you're not trying to get that person in trouble. You're saying, I want to talk to the person who can make something happen. Wow, you know, that's two plugs for Karen's right here. In so show. <laughs> two, two, two cheers for Karen. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap it up. Anything else to uh, to say about this? No, but I think think is a good acronym. And uh, in yeah, if you're a middle aged white lady out there, we love you too. And we want to. Put a plug in for Nikki Gumbel as well. Oh, Nikki. And his, his Alpha course. And oh, yeah. uh, he has many other things as well, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nikki. Yeah, Bible. And he has a Bible in one year app with kind of his little commentary on the path, which I just find extremely... Very appealing helpful. fellow. I, uh, years and years ago, did the Alpha course, mm-hmm. which is sort of a video, like, introduction to apologetics and yeah. just, you know, just kind of a... Here's the... the kind of a mere Christianity. Yeah. It's kind of a, a lobby into Christianity. And just loved him, thought he was great, thought he was right. And then many years later, Bridget said, oh, we're doing this alpha course again. And here was Nikki looking as much older as I am looking now. And I thought, oh, it's so good to see him. It was just yeah. So, yeah. so fun to, to revisit an old friend. He's, He's a very winsome character. Very winsome. Uh, all right. Speaking of winsome, the pastor's going to ask you. So He's going to ask something of you, and he's going to be winsome in trying to... <laughs> Win some. Wow. Once again, poaching from it's his callback from my sermon. From his sermon. But it tells you that I'm listening anyway, doesn't it? God bless you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> There's at least one of you. All right. Uh, we'll be back in uh, just a moment. Everybody. Hey, Pastor Dave here. Mike said I was going to make a, a request of you a winsome request but that's just if you could rate us and review us uh if you have a good review we'd deeply appreciate that uh you know and if you need to speak to the manager that's mike it's michael j nelson at internet.com um and you can reach him there with all of your complaints or concerns uh otherwise uh rate us and review us on apple podcasts also we are on spotify uh sweden's own music streaming service that now is into podcasts too and so you can listen to us there uh but yeah if you could rate us review us uh if you could share this we are at ltw pod on uh on um twitter uh, and we're we are there's also a like trees walking um facebook page as well so folks we appreciate you listening sticking with us through these past five seasons as we break new ground into the sixth so, and uh we're going back to oldie but a goodie eating disgusting or what mike calls good delicious food you decide and we are back michael j nelson here along with pastor dave we already have cracked out we promised you we'd do it we have it we have some uh today's tasting pastor you excited you have it in hand i do and i've already caught a whiff of it it's just got that general smell that I've come to know and appreciate here at the Nelson household. This is a tin fish. This is from a local, uh, uh, I think it's a Chinese market uh, owned. If I've, yeah. I've talked to the people there and I've seen the clientele, it's one in our neighborhood that's kind of, uh, 
it's a, it's a great place. Uh, you can picture it in your mind, a small mom and pop place, yes. and they have a large tin to fish section. This is grilled mackerel uh, from there. I don't know. I don't think there's any sauce. I think this is just grilled mackerel. There's uh, some kind of like you know they put it in some kind of liquid when they can. There's it, a right? liquid. It's an oil, but it's not a sauce per se. It's uh, and so uh, pastor, go ahead and give us your. Uh, let's do a, a ten stars. Uh, ten being the your favorite tin fish ever, and one being your least favorite tin fish. So give right. us a taste. I uh, will physically describe what is happening while the pastor he's stepping back. I'll he's try to putting, not. I'm trying to not do the mouthing noises that up you a hate. Foot on the thing. He's like he's bracing. He's he's breathing towards the heavens. He's saying a small prayer. He's putting a piece that apparently was too large because he nipped it off with his teeth. It looked very uncomfortable. He's now giving me sort of a, he's side-eyeing me a little bit. And uh, I feel like I feel like this could be a vaguely positive review, but I'm going to let the, he's crashing into the microphone so, now. Yep. Um, he's, you know what? He's going to give us some uh, wet mouth sounds, which always sound great in <laughs> headphones, especially if you're uh, listening, okay. listening on a high-quality studio uh, cans. You're gonna I'm going to say... It. Um, I'll give it a six. Whoa. Yeah. Six? This that has got five, to be one of your... Five and a half. Uh, five and a half. All right, keep describing yeah. the flavors. I'm going to do the taste because I'm going to prove... You know, it has that fishy... It has a very, like, a more mild fishy taste, and I think has a good texture to it as well. Like, it's kind mm. of flaky, like, it's not this greasy, like, you know slimy it doesn't have like a super slimy taste like it has a very oh, nice that's texture. good that's like one of the best tunas you've ever had yeah it's like a, a little mild sweetness to it yeah oh, I'm, I'm gonna give that a nine okay five and a half for me you but that's six. a high yeah but i downgrade oh wow okay just because that so little aftertaste yeah that little kind of fishy aftertaste you know, okay that i don't care for but for something that i don't like particularly like i was able to eat the whole thing no gag reflex um, at all, no sense of like, oh my gosh, I need to just like get this taste out of my mouth now. So, can you recall offhand what the worst thing was? Was that the calamari in its yes, own ink yes. sauce? Yep, I'd say that I find that. that one of the most delicious. Um, but probably the worst tasting thing I've ever done, just because of the dryness, was the spirulina. Okay, well, that was that was a bit of a. I don't think anyone takes a giant spoonful no. of spirulina. I think it usually goes into something else. Although I have eaten it just as a powder because. It's so revolting, you just kind of got to get it over <laughs> with. So I have done that. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't spoofing you. But that goes back a ways. That oh. might have been season three or two. Who knows? We'll have to check the wiki, you know, on that one. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so that's very exciting. Grilled mackerel, the brand name of which I'm afraid I threw it away, the packaging already. But it is couldn't be more of a generic grilled mackerel from uh, an Asian market. Uh, in their tin fish section. So and I'm washing it down now. I think that it's highly recommended. I believe Pastor gave it a five and a half, which would be, for him, is almost recommend, right? Yeah, yeah, it's close. Okay. And I'm and actually, I think it would be good on a cracker. Uh, you know, people know how much I love crackers, and right now I'm enjoying a, it's not a car, it's not the brand name Cars Water Cracker, but it's like whatever brand of, and this is, sure. like, a, this is like a pepper kind of water cracker that I'm enjoying right now. Delicious. And actually, I think if I had put it on the cracker, I'd like it even more. You sounded a little bit like this, speaking of uh, comedians and everything, going back to our uh, our last episode, yeah. um, from the last season, by the way, <laughs> uh, 
one of my favorite uh, comedians was uh, the late great Andy Griffith. Oh, and he many years had a multi-year contract with Ritz Crackers, and you know that homey. You can't put a. He made everything that you'd put on a Ritz sound good, and he'd be like, "Why don't you put a put some olive and pimento on a cracker?" And then he'd eat it and go, "Mmm, that's good cracker." And you're like, "That sounds disgusting." But wait a minute, Andy likes it, so now I don't know. I, I he could make anything on a cracker sound good. You know, Andy like, was a comedian. He, what he, he you didn't, didn't know s- that? He no, I thought he was just like an actor. Oh my gosh, no, he had a very famous. He uh, had an act. He had a, a couple of acts that were legendary. Yeah, that's, oh, how, he, that's that. how he started. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. No, I thought he was just, a, you know, I thought he was just the beloved actor from the Andy Griffith show and then, you know, parlayed that into Matlock later in life. There's a great story about him. He started, so he, he had the routine that he did and he got some fame from it. And so they were casting what was going to be his iconic role as No Time for Sergeants. Where he sort of played more of like the goober character. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, Jim Neighbors, right? Was he goober? Yeah, but yeah. Th- that was kind of the stereotype. Was much more not the wizened old sheriff. He yeah. was more of a goober type. And they're casting it, and the and it was a big play. It was going to be a big play. So uh, all of a sudden they they're bringing on all these people to test for the role, and suddenly they they look around and there's no more coming in. They're like, what's going on? We called like dozens of guys. And they go out into the into the hallway, and there's Andy standing up with all of the uh, actors, all of his competition, and he's telling a story, and just the room is going bananas. They love him so much, and they just sit and listen to him for a second, and then they just go, send everybody else home. <laughs> this is Andy's thing. And apparently, that's a, a true story. I love it. Yeah. So, good cracker. Believe it or not, this is Like Trees Walking, where we talk about the big issues of life. I am Michael J. Nelson. I'm Pastor David Berge. And, you know, think about the stretch of American popular culture that, you know, you go Andy Griffith show, and we still have Ron Howard, you know, and, I mean, don't forget oh, Clint, yeah. Clint Howard, but Ron Howard's still, like, think about how, like, basically post-World War II American popular culture, Yeah, how deeply influenced it's been by oh, that. And Andy Griffith, one of the great things ever. Oh, We're going to leave you with that. Go yes. uh, eat... Uh, Grilled mackerel and watch. <laughs> go, and go, go put See anything ya. on a Ritz crack. Something to cry about. And I won't stop to. Next.